Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever, whatever time it is that you're listening. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name is Chandra and I'm your podcast host. And I'm excited to get into another interview episode today where we're going to find out about the meandering stream of the journey of the lovely Mel DeJoya. How are you, Mel? I'm great, thanks, Chandra. How are you? Very well. Although, as I've mentioned, I've got my brand new puppy on the floor. Uh, so I'm hoping that she's going to be well behaved. Oh, she, I love puppies. <laughs> <They're so cute. laughs> they are very cute. Very time consuming. Um, yeah, it's a new baby. Yeah, I have to think of it that, that way, don't I? So I wanted to uh, give you the chance to sort of set up because I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation today. We you know for some context uh, for people that are listening, we um, first connected, oh, what it was the beginning of the year maybe, and uh, when we first t- talked about or uh, you applied to be a guest, and um, then a whole lot of things hit the world and uh, things have changed a lot since then. So it's only now that we're actually being able to uh, have this conversation. So I'm excited about finding out more about you and your story. Can you just set up for us, uh, what is it that you used to do for work and how do you describe what it is that you do now? Okay. It has, you're you're very right in that uh, intro. It has been a meandering journey. Uh, but in a nutshell, what I used to do was I was a, an IT project manager. So I used to roll out IT solutions for uh, global corporations. I worked for a global company that was a very uh, IT specialist and I would roll out IT or communication solutions for new IT, anything to do with that sort of thing. I was uh, towards the end, I was doing a lot of cloud-based uh, rollouts. And then um, right. things happened. And and that's where it gets all a bit uh, muddy. But then I have now moved into uh, podcast production. So I'm, ah. but in a very, I'm very mission oriented though. So um, I've really sort of, uh, to take an analogy that my husband loves, I've just really slammed on the brakes and done a J turn and just changed directions. Um, just in my 40s I kind of like I hit 40 and that's when it all happened so yeah <laughs> when you did the call out it was perfect like, <laughs> like yep you know what this is designed perfectly for you yeah. and, and look uh, there's there's um, a lot more obviously that I want to dive into and find out about you know that process and how you came about you know to be getting into the podcasting and etc um but the I guess the thing that is you know, the focus for this interview series that I've been doing for this whole year is wanting to share a range of stories of different women who have made significant career change, particularly to work for themselves after the age of 40. Because so many people, I think, get to that stage and it becomes a bit of a crossroad where it is a time to decide, am I going to actually pursue something that I really want to do or that I'm passionate about? Or am I going to stay sort of doing what I've been doing? Uh, and so I think the more stories that, that I can share about the different 
ways that people have made that change, the reasons why they've made that change, and some of the um, experiences that they've had along the way, the more it becomes possible in people's minds. So um, for you, I'm really keen to, to get into that. Um, so what was it? You said that you were working um, in this you know, big, big job, um, IT project managing, and um, I imagine that being quite a busy job too. You said things happened, but what was it? Was there a particular catalyst that led you to decide to look for something else? Had this podcast producing been something that had been a lingering idea? How did that change actually come about for you? So, as I said, I have been an IT project manager for over a decade and I loved it. I mean, in my 30s, I would have said, no way in hell was I going to be an entrepreneur. My husband has his own business and I would see the stress and I'm like, yeah, you know, nah, I'm going to be working for someone all my life and I'm happy and I love project management. It really sings to my superpowers. So I had no concept that I would be where I am now. And the thing that changed it, the real tipping point, yeah. was a Ferrari. <laughs> really? My husband, yeah, really a red convertible Ferrari. My husband's a huge car fan. He's a, a he, you know, his porn is cars, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. And one day he decided that he wanted a Ferrari and I didn't put my foot down. Like uh, I've ridden motorbikes a lot of my life and I love cars, maybe not as much as him, but I've, I enjoy a good drive. And I'm like, well, why not? And he did preface that with, let's create a company with the Ferrari. So when we have three young kids, we weren't going to drive the Ferrari every day. Mm-hmm. So why don't we hire it out? And I'm oh. like, okay. And he showed me the numbers and I'm like, this could work. And he said, but you need to organize it. You need to run it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I like his negotiation he, style. <laughs> well, he, it made sense because he worked full time in his business and I worked part time. So I've been working part time since we had kids like 10 years ago. So I've worked as a project manager, part time role. And I'm like, I can do that. I can. I can do that. And I sort of sat down one day and go, I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> and I really didn't know where to start or what was involved or anything. And Dom, you know, my husband, he, you know, we sat down, we did the ABN and I had to research um, how to get a merchant account, mm-hmm. which was really hard for a Ferrari hire company because it's classified the same as uh, like a brothel or guns because car hire of that state, you can't get. I know you can't get credit card facilities so easily. So we got knocked back by about two banks before I discovered a really cool solution. So can I just um, add a bit quick tangent? Is is the reason exotic for that... car hire? Oh. Yeah, exotic car hire. It was considered classified as exotic car hire, right. and so the big banks wouldn't touch us. Um, and so, yeah, so I couldn't get a credit. So I had to find, overcome all these obstacles. And then I'm like, marketing, what the hell's, how do I get people here? So I actually joined a, um, it was called business school for mums in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I joined their program and I started learning about what an entrepreneur is and what's involved and how to market and how to do this and all that stuff. And I started loving it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. And <laughs> I still had my day job. I was still a project manager uh, three days a week. Brilliant. But it really started getting exciting. And then 
I finished up a an IT role. So I finished up one of my projects that I'd been on for about five years, just rolling out Office 365 to a global corporation. And I was sitting on the bench of my my company. So they, they would second me out. So I was sitting yeah. on the bench waiting for a new job. And by this stage, my husband was, uh, he's been, he's an engineer and he'd been complaining about the engineering area for years, like, you know, years. And I, at the same time, I started listening to a radio show and on my way into work and I really enjoyed the radio show. It was just like Nova or something, (laughs) but they said, oh, we've got a podcast if you, you know, want to have a listen. So I would actually sit on the bench and I would listen to this podcast, like listen to the podcast of this radio show. And suddenly, I don't know what happened, but I ended up putting together the whole idea that my husband needs to, we need to create a podcast so my husband can learn more about the engineering industry that he's in and discover that there's a really an interesting environment out there that there's more to give. Uh-huh. And within three weeks... I actually launched a podcast, my first podcast, Be With An Engineer. I launched it with Dom and I treated that as another company. So by that stage, the Ferrari company was going really, it was going really well, but it was just a time suck. Like it was Mm. every weekend we would have to drop the Ferrari off somewhere and pick it up and then clean it. And then they would, people were booking it during the week. So I'm like, well, I'm working that day. And so it would be a real big big juggle. So we decided to park the Ferrari. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally. And, um, and we parked the Ferrari. And by this stage, I was, we were, we were only a couple of weeks into doing the podcast and I ended up, uh, it, it's a bit, it gets messy now because the company that the IT company I worked for, they put me in with another large company, but it, the role didn't suit me. Right. It didn't suit me at all. Mm-hmm. And after I would be crying every day, like this is a job I love doing, IT project management. I would be crying going in, going, I, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. And one day I got up out of the job and I walked out. I just, I, I'd given them flags for about three weeks and I, I, I'd had enough. I walked out. I had like a little mental breakdown. I had a panic attack, like a right. full on <gasps> breathing into a bag sort of thing and I sat in the car and I listened to a podcast and before driving off and that really I was listening to one and it really just calmed me down and focused me and I realized that I needed to make a change Mm -hmm. but I didn't know what I didn't know what yet Um, I knew I couldn't stay with the IT company that I'd given over a decade to Uh, I knew we didn't want to do a Ferrari hire anymore the podcast be with an engineer had only just started up, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So that night I went home and my husband's, you know, chatting and we were chatting. and I just looked online on Seek and there was a job that I found for an engineering think tank mm. for a project manager, part-time, three days a week. It ticked so many boxes. And the fact that I had a, this podcast and I had already spoken to about five or six engineers and I was really getting into the industry. I'm like, I'm going to put my hat in the ring. So I just created, updated my resume, wrote a uh, cover letter, sent it off. Three weeks later, I had a job there. Wowzers. I know, but I was still a project manager. But Mm -hmm. being in an engineering think tank, it suddenly boosted my podcast because I was involved in that industry suddenly. So the people that I was able to get guests on, I had this insight into the engineering industry yeah. and I discovered STEM 
Right. I, I, I've worked in the technology sector for over a decade, like nearly two decades. I had no idea that I could consider myself in the STEM space. Yeah. And once I joined uh, this think tank, I was able to realize that all this time I had been creating technology, communicating about technology, and I was really that T in STEM. And suddenly with this podcast, I I was creating, I was boosting the E in STEM. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, I love this. And so the podcast grew from strength to strength. My work at the think tank started to really connect the dots and I was making these amazing connections and I was understanding about a lot of the problems that are in the STEM community, mm -hmm. like you need great diversity, we need a lot more children involved, and just the impacts, what STEM does for society. I really got so passionate about it. Yeah, I can tell. And like a year later, I ended up creating another podcast. Oh, well, actually, firstly, I changed the name Be With an Engineer to Engineering Heroes because I felt that was very restrictive and um, some people shied away. I had NASA all on board to interview and they pulled out because of the beer name, oh, which was interesting. Yeah. They, they were concerned about if we ever got a, um, a sponsor that was beer related, they didn't want NASA associated, associated. with that. Sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And that was absolutely fine. But I kind of said to Dom, it's like, right, we're changing the name to engineering heroes. Best thing ever. So I had to go through a whole rebranding, but I'm still treating it as a business mm -hmm. and, I was like, how can I position this so it's an industry-leading podcast? And I, I was using Engineering Heroes as one podcast, and then I created a kids' podcast called Idea Evolution, and that was all about inspiring the next generation of innovators because I had this passion to it, – it's not just the adults that are going to change the world, it's the kids that are going yeah. to change the world. So we need to – so I had this thing I needed to – I needed to reach out to that younger age demographic. And around December last year, 2019, it all came to a head and I actually started negotiating a deal with the leading engineering body, Engineers Australia, to hand over engineering heroes. And it kind of... To them. The same, to them. So, but I would come on board as an official podcast producer. Mm -hmm. And so at this stage, I'm thinking... I'm going to be in a, a real podcast producer and I can do, and I started looking for jobs. I thinking, I was thinking maybe I want to make this a real thing. Like mm -hmm. a, I've done project management. I was loving my work at the think tank, but I wanted to really dive into the podcast production. So I had idea evolution on the side. I had mm -hmm. engineering heroes. I potentially had a role with engineers Australia. And so I actually ended up getting a job for Pacific magazines as well, at the same time, like I had all this going on. I was on. just going to say, I'm trying to keep track of all these different roles <laughs> I mean, that you're juggling. I know. Well, this is in one month. So in December, I kind of, all this was happening. And so in January, February and March of 2020, I was juggling, um, well, I was still going through negotiations with Engineers Australia, but mm -hmm. I was juggling Engineering Heroes, producing that. I was doing a project on the side for the World Federation of Engineering Organisations as well. So a, a podcast for them. I was working at Pacific Magazines two days a week. So getting a real feel for what commercial uh, commercial mm -hmm. podcasting was all about and mm -hmm. just making, just aligning myself, getting rid of any sort of imposter syndrome that I'm not a real producer. Yeah. It's like suddenly I'm doing real podcasts for a real magazine. So that really helped me. And I worked with a brilliant executive producer and 
I was doing all that. And then I was also on top of all that. I was working for this think tank <laughs> that <laughs> was, it was three days a week. So I'm like, I was something I was said to my husband's like, let's just get through to, to March and everything will calm down in March. Right. And yeah, I can see in your eyes that you're thinking, I know what comes next. <laughs> like, because COVID is floating in the background. March 2020. And like the idea that in the pivotal, the, 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 the easing, the release valve was going to be uh, the World Federation of Engineering Organizations had invited us to present about our podcast series that we had done for them at the United Nations. So wow. we were going to be on this global stage talking about our podcast and communicating that out on World Engineering Day, the first oh. ever World Engineering Day in Paris. And I'm like, that's my birthday and we're going to be in Paris and we're just like, this is incredible. And then <laughs> end of February, everything shut down. Not so like, much. <laughs> yeah, not so much. That didn't happen. And all that release that was meant to come didn't happen because at about the same time, the think tank, uh, they transitioned to a larger company and it, we were meant to all get contracts, but we all ended up getting made redundant. Right. And so we kind of all fell over there and then, but the podcast is still going along. So, mm -hmm. but then the podcasting agency I was working for that got bought out. And so that role disappeared. So I came into April, the first week of April, I'm like, I don't have a job. I don't work. <laughs> what am I going to do? And things slowly picked up. Like I got mm -hmm. a couple of days back at the think tank and I, um, so I was still doing project management work. Right. But um, yeah, so <laughs> I feel like I've really gone into detail here about everything. <laughs> See how messy it has been. Yes. And I think and, one of the things that um, is a real takeout from that is that the road from traditional employee and even in the role that you had, which was sort of that contracting out from your company uh, or consulting role to actually, you know, being a solopreneur, a solo business owner, a business owner, whatever you want to call yourself. I haven't even gotten to that. Yeah, is, is rarely a straight line. And no. for, for everybody, I think it is one of those things that it's a bit of a meandering stream. You are not in control of all of the moving pieces. There's a lot that you're in control of from your own point of view, but you are at... at um, the whim to a certain extent of some external factors and the only thing that you can control is what's your contribution uh, to each of the bits of new information, new situations as they arise and I think your particular story has its own flavour and lots of multiple parts to it um, but for others it may not be quite as many uh, projects and gigs all happening simultaneously but there's some through lines here that I think are really interesting around, you know, the overlay of project management experience that you developed for over a decade, your uh, surprising um, new interest and love of engineering and STEM and how that leads to the next thing. And the thing that, that comes out of it for me more than anything else is your bias towards action. And that's what I love is that you have, you know, got to a point that was not acceptable for you anymore for the kind of work life and experience that you wanted to create for yourself and you made the decision to to walk away from that for your own 
well-being, your own happiness, and you followed your nose and took action rather than what I think sometimes what people do is even if they are unhappy in a current role or situation, if they don't know exactly what they're going to do next and they can't have all the ducks lined up in a row, they don't take any action. And the problem I see with that is that until you take action, you don't know. And so that's what I love and really want to acknowledge and celebrate for you that you really did take action and have that sense of passion and curiosity and just getting in and getting it done. And look at the the amazing things that you have created and experienced. It's amazing. And it's, it's, I feel like I'm in a therapy session right now, but it's beautiful (laughs) what you've just said because, and, but one thing that does come out and you've, you have spoken about it, but I see it. I, I say the words slightly different, but when I was drowning and I could sort of almost say, I'm only just coming up now with a clear forward focus. But when the waves were on top of me, there were a few clear shining lights that I never really got lost Mm -hmm. because one was I knew my superpowers. I know I am very strong in organization and planning things like that. That could be translated. I found with project management, that was very much my strength. Like I was constantly juggling balls and I very rarely let any fall and when I was being an entrepreneur I loved the juggle as well with the Ferrari like the things I was doing and so when I if I stuck to that as a guiding light I no matter where I was I was happy and that was one key thing in this whole process that I just stay true to myself I love what you said about me taking action because I am very much a very actions like I'm saying I'm going to do it I'm going to do it yeah I'm I'm getting that vibe for sure I do that. But the other thing is that came that sideswiped me a lot that hadn't been in my personal mix before is this passion to promote STEM. Yeah, that right. The awareness, it all came about on International Women's Day 2019. So I'd started the podcast, Engineering Heroes. It was called Beer with an Engineer then. I was really getting into this advocacy space of STEM. Uh-huh. And my primary school my kids primary school said at a pnf meeting oh international women's day is coming up we have it's on a friday we have space in assembly for some parents to talk about how important this is uh just send us an email and we'll get you in so i sent an email going yeah yeah i'm i'm in this space i'm really want to promote it to the kids i can do that i can do that and i was as nervous as anything they said okay we'll give you one minute and i'm like freaking out and I and the day before I said listen I can't get it under five minutes is that a problem say, one minute is ridiculous <laughs> who are they kidding I know well they were expecting five parents to stand up assembly at assembly and like about a minute or so each they didn't want it to go too long and they said do you know what you're the only one that put their hand up <laughs> and this is in a school of nearly 500 kids so a thousand parents mm. had gotten that call out and I was the only one who stood up and speak. And I still, a year and a half later, I still meet parents that I don't know who were there at that day. And they said, did you do that speech on International Women's Day? And I said, yes. And I, they said, that changed, that that just changed the way I thought about things. Wow. And I'm like, holy crap. If I hadn't have done that, then they wouldn't have thought about that. And it just really showed me that one time I need to be the person to stand up and speak mm-hmm. because I don't think anyone else feels that important. I mean, I know there are people out there, but if I don't do it, I will regret it. 
And yeah. so that's why I've kind of taken that mission has become a, a beacon for me as well as knowing my superpowers, knowing mm-hmm. my strengths of what, what my skills are. I'm kind of molding that. I always think I have a jigsaw puzzle running in my head. If I have yeah. a problem, I'm constantly trying to fit the pieces together. And so being a STEM advocate and just promoting STEM and people in innovation just became another puzzle piece that I needed to fit in. And that's how I've landed where I am now, which is creating a new company mm-hmm. and uh, it's called Ramily Media and creating this new media company that's all about promoting people in STEM and innovation who want to stand up on that stage and tell people what they're doing because there will always be people listening. Yeah. And my production company will be the source for those people to to spread it out because I was telling stories and it's like I'm one person. There are so many other people out there that are more knowledgeable in this space that I want to help get them to that spot. So that's kind of like that was a major epiphany for me a couple of months ago. And I thought I'm going to take all my project management skills. I'm going to take all my podcasting experience Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do this right. So that's, so I'm glad we didn't speak at the beginning of 2020 (laughs) because it would have been, I think I would have been a lot more wishy-washy. Whereas now I have, I have finally put the puzzle together and I now have that clear mission of where I, I can see me going. Yeah, awesome. So good, Mel. And and I think that, you know, what you've described is a fantastic journey and a fantastic example of how this sort of a, a transition can play out sometimes. Look, there are some people, I think, who, for whatever reason, they're very lucky. They know straight away what they want to do and they've got their idea and they just go about, you know, making that happen. But I think for most of us, it is a bit of a process of inquiry and discovery and exploration. But what you've done is is aligning. It sounds like your um, superpowers, as you described, particularly around project management. And interestingly, I created a guide, I think it was last year, about uh, the top 10 in-demand transferable skills for women making oh, career yeah. change. And the one that I said that I believe is not only the most transferable, but the most important is project management because I do see it as something that can apply pretty much to any industry, any uh, type of business. If you've got any kind of experience in project management, you can really, I believe, take that anywhere. And so it's awesome. that as well. I now have a person that I can use as an example with that. So you've got your um, past experience, transferable skills and superpower. You then aligned it with interestingly not a lifelong passion because sometimes people think that they've got to look back what have I done that's got me to here and I must love that so therefore I'll keep doing more of that but for you it was an interesting tangent of a new passion uh, around uh, the engineering slash stem slash advocating for stem Uh, and now it's about uh, you know the intersection of those two things and adding in a business model how do you make money from that? And it sounds like you know that's part of this next process of creating a company um, to to bring in that financial modelling. Is that right, or how is that kind of side oh, yeah. of it playing out? Yeah, you're exact. You're very much right because once I discovered that I wanted to get into the STEM advocacy space, and that took me about six months mm-hmm. of just getting into the podcasting and and starting at the think tank and realizing that there's this great big world of STEM out there that 
has all these that's amazing for building our society but is like behind this wall that no one can see so it took me a while to realize and then it took me I knew I wanted to do something so I was speaking to a lot of people going I want to create a network I want to you know I want to get all these podcasts together and and I knew, always knew podcasting was my avenue like you know I'm writing I'm, I'm good at writing but it doesn't come as naturally mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm okay at video but I'm just I have all those usual oh don't look at me sort of stuff so yeah, yeah the spoken word just didn't scare me and mm-hmm. it came easy mm-hmm. and I thought this is my medium that I'm going to pick and how can I promote people in that space and I'd been tossing about what to how to make money out of it because honestly networks I had looked at a few models and they just didn't ring for me they just it didn't work out for me mm-hmm. and I thought okay, I'll put that on the side, but I'm very much, I've got a brain where if I've got a problem, I'll just put it in the background and I'll wait to see what happens. And it was only, I went to a webinar. So I feel like I would have always ended up where I I am now, Mm -hmm. irrespective of COVID or irrespective of everything, because I was just waiting for the right puzzles to come together, the right pieces to come together. And finally, so a few ideas I'd had percolating. And then I was in a webinar of somebody who had created a report about a topic that I have been fascinated in for about 15 years, like urban farming. Right. And I'm like, I, she needs to tell this story loud, broadly, like more loudly. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the solution. This, is, this was the final piece of the puzzle. And then it all came together. <laughs> it just, it, I kind of, I got in the car on the way home from work. And I was saying to my husband, I was like, I've got it. The puzzle is together. I can see all the pieces, the way it's played out. I can see it finally. So it it took a good year from the the first idea through to what it finally looked like. But even before that, it was something that was tickling around the edges. And the pieces were slowly coming. I just had to have the patience to wait for them to all come together. And I'm going to hark back to something you said at the very, like when you were speaking then, I was not one of those teenagers in high school that knew what I wanted to do. I was not one of those kids. And I almost, I mean, at the time, and even still sometimes now I kind of hate them because they have such a clear vision. It's like, damn, you you knew you wanted to be a lawyer from the very first day and you just went out and you did it. I was one of those, I finished high school. I'm like, I might study photography. And mum and dad was like, Mel, you didn't even do any art classes <laughs> since year nine or 10. Why do you want to do photography? I'm like, I just want to do photography. And so I did that for a couple of months and then I worked in a call center and then I'm like, I just want to travel. I just had no idea. And I had to be patient with myself. And I look back now on my teenager self going, thankfully, mum and dad supported me on this winding journey that is my life yeah but I had to learn more about myself mm. as I grow and everything I like even the photography now the photos taking photos for the Ferrari taking photos for headshots all these sort of stuff I go back to that very first TAFE course I did yeah and I could take pretty decent shots I give the camera to my husband I'm like how do you mess this up so badly it's just a photo of the kids but he just doesn't get it right whereas I take the camera and it's like oh that's okay I get I get the angle right and you know so I've got those few little hints and tips that help me and so that's a piece of the puzzle Mm -hmm. um 
you know, there's all these, the, my customer service background, I worked for Vodafone for a couple of years or through university. And that's another piece of the funnel. I was on the phone all that time. So perhaps that's where I'm not afraid of talking. And mm-hmm. those pieces have all come together and I hit project management. I discovered project management in my twenties. I'm like, oh my God, this is for me. Yeah. And I thought that was the end of the story, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it was the first chapter. It was just the first, well, actually, yeah, it was just another oh, chapter, or a chapter in maybe. the journey. Yeah. <laughs> and back in the, when I was 18, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, I think it's left me open to when something new has come on, I'm like, don't be afraid to take another step. And like, this is not the end of the line. There's more to give. And it, I didn't even realize about my age uh, until maybe you threw out that thing. I'm like, oh my God, this all started when I hit 40. Mm-hmm. And it's just another chapter that's evolved, but I think it's some, it stems back from being a kid and not knowing what I wanted to do, and the world was my oyster. I just needed to learn about me and what my strengths were to be the guiding light on the pieces that came together. Yeah, that nugget right there is just a, a truth bomb gem that I, I hope that if you're listening to this uh, episode, that, that takeout of, of I just have to know myself and let the pieces fall and if you're open and curious around that and around really being honest about who you really are what you are interested in no matter how weird unusual uh it might be or the the um how eclectic it could be knowing that those pieces are going to fall together and it's going to create your own unique path and trusting in that i think is the the biggest gift that you can give yourself and if I go super broad the biggest gift that you can give to the world because you actually following your genuine passions you really embracing your superpowers and creating a situation where you can bring that to the people that interact with you that's when you have the biggest positive impact I think while you're on this planet and and this one crazy life that we have unless you believe in reincarnation (laughs) so you know again I just think it's really great that and the insight that you have Mel now about being able to look back not just over the last year and the evolution of this phase of your work life but being able to look back even further I think is, is really great to do because it can feel so messy going forward But to remember to pause occasionally, look back and go, how did I get here? And you go, oh, yeah, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh, and yes, the photography, that still, that helps me and the customer service. You can see how nothing that you have done has been in the way. It's been on the way to bring you where you are, which I think yeah, is and amazing. I mean, there have been some red herrings in there. Like I had a stint where I was into triathlons quite heavily mm-hmm. and I don't see how that plays in, but maybe, you know, maybe, and that's the thing, I don't, at the moment, I'm like, oh, my God, that was an obsession that uh, took over me for two years. But now I look back and go, where was that? But who knows, in about another two years, maybe that will come make sense again. Maybe. Or, yeah, so I'm not – I think everything we do eventually plays out. Yes. And even if I don't understand it right now, I think further on down the track, it'll go, oh, thank God I did that photography course. Or yeah. thank God I've got a bike and I can just, I know I've got confidence to race and things like that. Yeah, so, how interesting yeah. all those through lines, however they end up sort of playing out and spitting out on the other side. So, yeah. Mel, I'm interested in, you know, you shared this story that's evolved and the, the um, you know, I guess the highs and the, and the lows along the way. If you think back over this last year, 
What do you think have been some of the biggest challenges that you have come across in, in trying to work out what this next next chapter, this next work business focus is going to be for you? Yeah, I have to admit, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I had this dream of creating a network for STEM stories and I knew I wanted to do that. But the hard, one of the hard pieces was making that a reality, which I now finally feel like I've gotten, I've kind of put the pieces together and I can do that. But the some of the hardest bits was, I'm going to say the rug was pulled out of me because, out from under me, because I have used my project management work as a crutch, right. if you will. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of always gone, oh, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work because I can always get back into project management. Yeah, I can always do that. But then in you know December, January, and then again once again in March, that just got ripped out from underneath me, and I kind of suddenly was standing on the precipice, going, I can't call myself a project manager anymore, and that really that was a big moment in my life. Mm-hmm. After all these years, I think it came in April. I was sitting, <laughs> attempting homeschooling, going. <laughs> I am, I'm not a project manager. I'm not. And my whole identity felt at a, at a, at a loss. I felt mm. really cut loose from everything. But I took a, and I, I was sort of thinking, okay, I'm going to go for jobs. I'll go for jobs in project management and that will make me feel better. But every job, I'm like, that's not making me feel better anymore. Mm-hmm. And I could do that in my sleep, but do I want to do that? Yeah. And, and just, and I was moving all things were moving me towards project production I was still working I was working for Engineers Australia and and I got back my project management role that had been taken like I'd been made redundant from I got a little bit of that back and I felt because I'd gone through that it's taken away from me when it came back I'm like I don't need that so much now awesome. I I mean I love that I've got it and I know I can get it back at any time but that week I started it's changed my mind on what I who I am and so that was a real challenge that that period and it all just coincided with COVID which as I said I think the journey to here would have happened irrespective of COVID but um, I think COVID pushed some the timelines maybe yeah it maybe pushed the timelines (laughs) which I'm thankful for in a way but uh, Yeah. yeah so that was the biggest challenge the 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 change in my identity. Mm. I'm so glad that you raised that because I actually believe that it's it's incredibly common and I know that I went through that myself when I left Nova. Um, I don't know if you know that I used to work at Nova, the radio station. Uh, so interesting that that was a podcast that maybe started or contributed to <laughs> your journey. So uh, when I left Nova, I decided that I wanted to do something different, wasn't sure what the hell that was going to be. Um, I started doing training as a coach and found found out a lot and started really learning a lot more about human behavior. And one of the things that I learned about was about beliefs that we have. And there's seven different types of beliefs. And I know I've talked about this in some of the past episodes. One of the beliefs is called identity beliefs. And that's how we see ourselves. It's any way that you finish the sentence, I am, I have, I always. Anything that you finish that sentence with is a layer of how you are developing your identity. 
Another belief is called our vehicle beliefs, and that's how we express who we are in the world through what we do. And your job, your career is one of those. You also have hobbies and relationships and things like that. But what tends to happen, especially when you work in a role or an industry for a long time, is that you overlap your identity and your vehicle beliefs together. And that's why when that job goes away, people do have a version of an identity crisis because it's like, well, if I'm not working at Nova anymore, who am I? And I think it's common for people to get to that point and having to separate out and go, actually, I am more than just this particular job and I will have many different vehicles to express who I am, but it's not the whole of who I am. So I I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it's good for people to hear that, to expect that they might feel those feelings too. Yeah, and the identity and the job connection, absolutely. And I've found that also with the entrepreneurial side of things. Mm -hmm. So yes, project management was very key to my identity and it still is because it's one of my strengths Mm -hmm. being able to create calm in chaos that's my strength yeah that's one of my strengths and being a project manager is my way of saying that out to the world that I'm good at this when I had the Ferrari company something didn't sit well on me saying I'm a um, a Ferrari hire or exotic exotic car hire person yeah because I loved cars but I didn't love them that much and I didn't feel like that was part of my personality Mm -hmm. and when I got into podcasting I'm like I feel especially the fact that I do podcasting because I have a mission yeah it's really aligned to my mission and uh, my determination to promote people in this space then I am proud to say that I am a podcast producer and that is aligned to my identity I can I can accept that as part of my identity I mean I even I think I forgot I didn't even mention this but one of my early ones even before the Ferrari I actually created a cooking in a jar company I think I was or maybe it was at the same time as a friend it was just this thing that I did for two months thinking mm-hmm. oh yeah I can create but I had this idea it's like do I want to be known as the cookie lady yeah it didn't it really didn't align to who I was yeah and so the Ferrari didn't work and the and I couldn't work out how to get the podcast to align but then once I hit the mission and I hit the boom. idea it boom everything aligned yeah and I am happy to take that on as my identity. And uh, yeah. I love that, Mel, because that question of of, um, feeling proud about what you do and how you answer that question of, so what do you do? I actually think is really an underestimated and valuable piece of the puzzle. And it can be a good checkpoint when people perhaps are experimenting with different things. And it's so interesting. I've had quite a few people that I've interviewed this year who said that one of their first um, experiments of having their own business was in cookies and biscuits and things like that. It's really interesting. Um, But then it was like, oh, okay. I am not a good cook, by the way. So I don't even know why why I thought that would be good. That fell into the photography bucket. And we'll see. At some point, you mark my words, somehow the biscuit. Actually, I did learn a valuable lesson about products and postage and all that stuff. Yeah, (laughs) they're all learnings. But this is the thing too. So it's about that testing the waters and then checking in and asking, you know, as you said yourself something about, am I um, proud to say this is what I do? And is it something that I am happy to accept as part of my identity? I think because when you can do that, 
that is when I believe you are unstoppable because that superpower is kicking in, you feel aligned and everything's just moving forward. But when you don't have that change at an identity level, that's when it, the change is much harder, I think. Uh, and as soon as you hit hurdles or obstacles, you're more likely to go, oh, this is just all a bit too hard. Maybe I'll just go get a job. When you are mission driven, you're really aligned. That's when you'll hit a challenge. You go, right, what about if I do it this way or that way? The, the perseverance kicks in differently, I think, when you actually do care about what you're doing on a much deeper level. Yeah, on a deeper level, yeah. Mm. One thing I am curious to, to ask, I'm very mindful of time, but uh, how did other people respond to perhaps being in your life in whatever capacity and knowing you as you know a, a career project manager and very successful in that? When you started going down and exploring these various roads, how did the different people in your, your family, your friends, how did they respond? It's funny you should say that. Um, so... My sister, she, so my sister and I, we're very, very close. I've got a very close family. And she, I was telling her just this weekend about Ramilly and how I'm starting that. And she looked at my husband and she goes, Dom, this is all your fault. She was never like that, in a good way, in a good way. Like, she was never like this before. And it was just really clicked for me. It's like, actually, it's oh, actually it's not Dom's fault, although the Ferrari was his fault. But it was, he showed me a door yeah. and I leapt into that space. Yeah. And yeah, so she was amazed because admittedly, yeah, as I said, in my 30s, I was like, nah, I'm working for a company. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be an entrepreneur at all. And even mum and dad growing up, they always worked for people. Like they, my dad was in the Navy for nearly 30 years mm -hmm. so he always worked for somebody my mum she was always working for you know Qantas or David Jones or something like that and so we, I, ne I never had that entrepreneurial spirit or that mindset and and so that's why my sister was like where did this come yeah. from it must have been Dom it's you know yes. it's, and it's it's as I said in a way it was so they're they're a little bit of amazed like who is this person yeah. this was not but in the brochure <laughs> this is not the child that I know from 40 years, but uh, that, that, but they're such an incredibly supportive group Fantastic. that they're like, okay, let's see. So yeah, it's it harkens back to that photography stage. It's like, Mel, what are you doing? Yeah. All right, this is not you, but here you go. Here's the money for TAFE, and yeah, we'll help you out and and stuff. And they're very much just like, okay, let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so so good that you've got you know that support network around you, and it does sound like Dom, uh, you know, was as you say, he showed you the door and it was like, you're going to take the red pill or the blue pill. And, yeah. <laughs> and then once you're in, it's like, Ooh, but I think for some people in that situation, they might've gone, Oh, okay, we could try this, but it could have been all too overwhelming, all too scary. And then be out and then back to just get a job. So perhaps is that? he just what opened, mean, yeah, perhaps he just opened the door for you to really keep exploring your own sense of curiosity and, uh, desire to be passion and mission driven yeah and I have to admit it is it is scary don't get me wrong like I have done I feel like I've done this and failed a couple of times not failed but done this and moved on a couple of times mm -hmm. and I'm really worried that this time because it, I don't want to go back to being a project manager I don't want to fail in this so I am being very I'm going to say cautious but not in a slow cautious way I'm being 
I'm trying to do this right. So I've sat down and I've spent weeks doing up a business plan and I've structured it. So I actually have an advisory board, which I'm calling my wagons in a way because I'm circling the wagons. These are women in, on my advisory board who I respect greatly and I I want to help them with their missions because they're all kind of aligned. I want to help them with their life. But at the same time, I know they can help me mm-hmm. create Ramily into something that's going to change the world. Yeah. And so I'm not alone on this journey. So I, I'm kind of trying to do it the right way. I know there's no right, but I'm trying to do it in a way that I set myself up for success yeah. this time around. Right. And it's scary that it's so important to me that this works because I know... I know in my head, part of me knows things fail, but I kind of see these past couple of years, you know, your first one always fails and it's like, yeah, I've done that. So I'm ready for the success. And, and yes, I just want to so skip it, it to is that. scary. Yeah, it is. It's, it is slightly terrifying, but, but, but you're in the right place. I think Mel. it's all sounding so good. Yes. Now, if people do want to find out more uh, yeah. about the podcast and the various projects that you're working on, how do they find you? So if they want to know about the general Melanie, there's I've set up melanie.com.au. So there's that. And that always, that'll have pointers and feelers out to everything else. But Great. if they want to know more about the STEM and innovation podcast and the space and what I'm doing there, I've set up Ramaly, so R-A-M-A-L-E-Y, ramaly.com.au. Yeah. And... That's an evolving space at the moment, but I'm sure this is, you know, podcast evergreen. So it will be live. Uh, it is live, but it will be more informative over the next few weeks. But ramalee.com.au is going to be a thing to watch. Yeah, fantastic. And look, it's I think it's um, a really interesting and fascinating space and one that, you know, I'm still learning. I remember the first time I heard someone talk about STEM, I'm just like, what? What, what are they even talking about? And it's like, oh, okay, this whole, and this is where I think as someone who, let's say I'm a lay person because I have not had a technology or engineering background at all. I've much more been on the humanitarian side of my schooling um, that I think it's an area that more and more people are seeing as incredibly important and they want to know more about it and see how, you know, particularly in Australia as well as the world, how can it continue to evolve? So I really am I'm going to be uh, watching how you keep evolving this, Mel, because I do think it's a really growing um, space that I think, you know, a lot of people are interested in and it's going to only continue with the, um, the way that, as you say, children are, are going through schooling now yeah. and where that's going to come out. So any final tips? If you think if someone's listening and perhaps they're back in a, uh, a space, whether it's a, a job or a project, a work situation that's really not working for them anymore, and they're thinking about maybe I've got this idea. Do you have any thoughts or tips for them that you think are things that you wish you knew or did earlier, or what advice what might you have for someone in that situation? So I think it comes back to very much what we've spoken about over this episode is that you need to know yourself. You need to know mm-hmm. your superpowers. Yeah. And you need to know what your guiding light is. Mm-hmm. And that will and don't be afraid to take that step forward into the unknown as long as you're grasping your superpowers. And you know your superpowers because they're your strength. Know that about yourself. Know what your strengths are because when you take that scary next step, they're the things that are going to propel you forward. 
And it's really important that you know that about yourself and realize if you've got a teenager who has no idea what they want to do with their life, just help them learn about themselves because Mm -hmm. that way you're giving them the best tool to lead the happiest life. Yeah. Oh, sing it, sister. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. I think that's really fantastic advice for both, you know, parents of teenagers but also for women who perhaps are hitting that 40 or 40-plus zone and getting to a point of going, hey, I really want to do something that I can do and that I want to do. And I think that, that again, when you have that overlap, which is what you were talking about really is, you know, the, the superpowers of knowing what you can do and then asking that question, of, do I really want to do this? Um, not just because I can, but because actually I really want to. And even if you don't know what your superpowers are, just look at what you're strong at, what you're good at or what you're passionate about and then focus on that mm. and uplift those within yourself and then something will happen. Yeah. Because you don't want to uplift your weaknesses as much. You want to play to your strengths. And that is, you know, that's something that, even if you're, if you're not ready to take that step, look at what your strengths are, boost them even more, and then something will appear, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Mel, thank you so much for making time for this interview. I am actually so glad. This is another example of how things always work out exactly as they should. <laughs> I'm so glad we didn't get to talk in January. Uh, oh, I'm there. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing um, your eclectic journey to get you here. And as I said, I am really excited to see what your next chapter is going to involve. And and I wish you all the very best in you know making Ramily the world changing platform that uh, you know that it can be. Thank you, and thank you so much. As I feel like I've had a bit of a session here, and it's really made me focus on where I'm at. And I've just I've just loved the time with you. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Mel. Thank you. That's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But before you go, I just want to tell you about a great new free resource. If you are early in your business and you want to make sure that you're focusing on the right things at the right time to make sure that your business is profitable as quickly as possible, then you want to go and grab a brand new ebook that I have created, which is called the top four priority focus areas for a profitable first year in business. In this ebook, I have compiled experience and insights from my over five years in business, as well as from more than 40 interviews with successful women in business and conversations with other women in business that are in my network. And I have summarized all that experience into the top four areas that you need to focus on so you can really create a business that delivers the kind of income and lifestyle that you're looking for. You can get that ebook for free at thetransitlounge.com forward slash top four. I'll be sure to put the link to that into the show notes to make it easy for you to get. So go get it, have a read, then come and join the private Facebook group and tell me which one of the four areas do you think you would benefit from more help with. I'll look out for your comment in the group. Have a great week.